every generation always talks about how bad new music is. Well, honestly, if you're paying attention now to the top uh, 100, uh, Billboard 100, it is getting worse and worse. Um, yeah, let's go. He told us to fight for real, but I can't front, man. I feel like Jackie Chan, cause I ain't got a stunt, man. I feel like Jackie Chan. Hey, I feel like Jackie Chan. Jackie, see, I ain't got a stunt, man. Yeah, yeah. So I feel like Jackie Chan. Yeah, I feel like Mr. Chan on Facebook and Instagram. Hey, 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 what's up? My name's Thomas. And I'm Sam. And this is the Silent Planet Podcast. That is a different intro, by the way, but that is because. We have a guest today. We have the author of the intro today. Yeah, that's a, that's a song uh, called Jackie Chan mm-hmm. by none other than our uh, our good friend Chris, Chris Owens. Chris Owens. Chris, don't say hi. Hey, what's up? What's up? <laughs> How you doing, buddy? I'm just taking it one day at a time, brother. <laughs> that's cool. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, we, we're all kind of mutual friends, actually. So I met Chris. So, so well, everybody knows, if you're listening to this, you know Sam um, runs a dojo, has for you know, since before I was even uh, a speck in my fa- my grandfather's eye. Well, officially 2002, but, you know, yeah. that was at my house. But Dude, in, I was, in stages. I was like eight. <laughs> <laughs> I was like eight. Anyways, yeah, so I met, I met Sam through our church. He does that. But then I also met Chris through the dojo when I was going. I would help Sam with whatever, hang out with him and Man, uh, what what a uh, what an awesome guy uh, Chris is. Aww. Does a uh, he <laughs> hey, don't so start nice. the waterworks yet, guy. It's, uh, <laughs> yeah, he does. Uh, he does Christian rap. Am I, am I right in saying that? Yeah, yeah I want to categorize it right. And I know there's a lot of different definitions. Gospel rap, Christian hip hop is probably the most prevalent. Yeah, you know, uh, Christian rap. It's just I don't know, Christian Jesus trap. rap. Yeah, I've called it a lot of different things, but yeah, it's whatever. Yeah, that's it. It's uh, well, that's I wanted to make sure I was calling it the right thing because if you if you tell an indie person that they're alternative, you might get cut. So it it just, <laughs> it, just <laughs> it depends. Words matter, y'all. They do. Words that's matter. Right. That's right. I don't know what happened to sticks and stones. <laughs> oh, <but yeah. laughs> anyways, um, yeah. Today we're we I was I've actually been wanting to discuss this topic for a long time. Um, just music in general. Uh, it's. We don't realize it, but there there's so much that happens when you're taking in like audi- audible audible entertainment. I guess is a, a way I can put it. Um, so many things that happen subconsciously that you don't realize it. Um, we we've kind of talked about movies on this podcast. You know mm-hmm. what's okay to watch and what I, we always gauge it. Kind of are you are you letting a bunch of f bombs slip out because you're watching a bunch of comedies? Maybe you should dial that back. Are you you know trying to hurt small animals? Maybe the Serial killer movies should maybe put a break on those two. Uh, that, I, that's true. <laughs> you should. Yeah. You should. Um, I, I would say I think music probably goes in the same basket. But there, there really is a point, though, um, where you're listening to just the absolute worst. I guess smut is a, is a good way to put it, that, mm-hmm. that you can find. But it's scary and alarming, like, how quick that's becoming, like, the standard. Yeah, I totally agree. And... Um, I mean, there's so much I could say to speak to what music is and how it impacts our brain, our soul, right? <clears throat> but when it comes to rap, there's there's just a totally different dynamic because there's so much being said in such a short amount of time. Mm-hmm. And um, <clears throat> the way I kind of look at it is it, it's it's really centered around mathematics, 
at the end of the day. Math is like a universal language, right? Like you see repetition in math and you can't really have music, not good music without repetition because that's rhythm. Right. <clears throat> and, um, you know, repetition's the mother of all learning. So oftentimes with music, we're really programming ourselves. I think a good, the, one of the best examples is the ABCs. Sing your ABCs. It's a melody. Mm-hmm. And it just so happens to be the same melody. ABC. I'm not going to do the whole thing. Right. <laughs> Much as everybody would like to hear it. Yeah, but, but now sing Twinkle Twinkle. And you'll find the, the same, same melody. melody. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So it's like there's there's definitely a programming there. And I'd love to go deeper into that if that's cool. Dude. You know. Yeah. 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 This but, is like a rabbit holes. We like rabbit holes. Yeah. And so <clears throat> if I just kind of if you wanted me to break down my, my philosophy on what music is, right? It's that repetition. But it's the marriage of that with melody or tones, frequencies. And when you do that, such as chords. Right, you're talking about the combination of keynote signatures that unlock human emotion. Mm-hmm. You're like literally, like you can hear a song, and it can change your your emotion and your attitude and your feeling in a specific moment, a totally different direction than when you started listening to the song. Mm. And yeah. that's very powerful. There's scripture to back this up too. Right. Uh, yeah. to, well, the, here, so Saul, we were talking about this. How he's being haunted. Right, yeah. And the and only David time... could play the harp and... and it would and, stop. Yeah, it would give him some relief. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And um, it says that David played the harp and the, the demon or the, the devil, the unclean spirit, left Saul. Just, he didn't say anything. He didn't sing. He didn't rap. Mm-hmm. It was just the heart condition behind the music, in my opinion. Mm. Maybe even the fact that the Holy Spirit was probably there. We see a parallel to that when I think it was uh, Elisha was going to prophesy and called for a minstrel to come and play. And he, he wanted them to play before he prophesied. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon him after the minstrel played, and he prophesied. Excellent. That's good stuff. When you're when you're approaching it from the creative standpoint, Chris, what where does it usually start for you? Because you've touched on this kind of mathematic feel to it. Does it come from that side, or or is it a lyric that hits you um, when when you're approaching that that part of it too? Because the, I'm wondering how close the creative process is to how Thomas goes through it. I don't have a dog at all in this because I'm not a musician, right? I've never created that way. But I would imagine for me, it would come through, what am I going to say? What's going to be the content of the message I want to deliver? And that something would start from there. But somebody who's a little bit more creative and gifted in that, it could come from, I don't know, the sound or the rhythm or something else. I, I'm just curious. I'm interested too, actually. You you say your method when you explain, I'll, I'll explain mine. We'll just compare notes. Okay. So... It kind of evolved mm-hmm. over the years. Um, I started making music when I was about 13 or 14 on computers. And I started making electronica, like techno music. Mm-hmm. And more specifically, like fast drum and bass, you know, England style. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, some called it jungle, dark, evil yeah. stuff. This is before <laughs> I got yeah. saved. <clears throat> and... um so that was over 20 years ago. So there's been an evolution. And really what I would want to speak to is 
is the spiritual side of what I feel like God is speaking to me. And I think it's, it may be because it's the most productive method for me, but it also has a lot to do with what I value. Like if, if I feel like God is clearly speaking something and it's from the word of God and it's so strong that he puts his finger on it and says, I got something for you to say. Mm -hmm. Then a lot of times that's where my albums have come from is from that place of, you might call it vision, Mm -hmm. right? And then everything's kind of coming from the outflow of that vision. And I'll get several songs from like one big central idea, but each individual song it could happen a multitude of different ways. It could be me at 3 a.m. engineering a drum kick <laughs> for, you know, for the last two and a half hours. Or it could be just flirting around with the piano keys on the keyboard, finding things, hearing things in my mind, you know, while I'm experimenting. It, it's really too diverse to really point out one method. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Yeah, I would agree. Actually, concur a hundred percent. There, there are times where I have, um, for and for anybody listening, and and for you, my background is just it's always been. Um, I started with like uh, rock, and then moved to like metalcore, like heavy screamo stuff. Yeah, and then I <laughs> that's right. I we played. I did a band for a little while. It was fun, and then um, after that, I I got more committed to to the church and to worship music, and then I just felt. Like that's my that's my area, and so now, now I've gone from being a crazy metalhead to just a super mellowed, mellowed out um, switchfoot worship man. Is basically like I'm I'm so tame now. I need to ride the waves in California. But my uh, my my process for writing usually starts with an acoustic guitar or a piano. Uh, in general, I'll I'll start there and I'll strum around or I'll play some notes and then I'll just hum and just some kind of melody happens. And then, uh, I never, I never try to seek out anything specifically profound when I'm writing, but then something will kind of hit me. Like some words will just start falling out of the melody. Like I'll just mumble the melody a little bit and just say gibberish. Like, and then out of nowhere, I'm saying something and I'm like, okay, actually that can apply to this, this, this specific topic that I've, I've wanted to write a song about. So then I start pulling from that topic drawer to relate to what came out of my mouth um, that happens. And then there will be times where, uh, which really irritates me, by the way, I'll be sitting in church and our pastor will say something and I'm like, that's it. And yep. then I'll hear the, the guitar in my head, the drums, the piano, everything will just start going. And then those words that he said, I'll, I'll reform them into a compatible way for a song to, to hit. I'm like, that's the song. And then it's like, let's go out to eat. Okay, sure. Let's get some groceries. And I get home I'm like, oh, where'd it go i lost it what were those words again (laughs) it was like it was like that's that was a number one for sure that was that was like the billboard 100 but um yeah that's that's my process man and that that's um it usually does come out of just fiddling with something and then something that that's been laid on my heart at some point usually slides out somewhere um i've noticed that same process with a lot of rappers Mm. you know they'll listen to the beat and they'll start humming Put it on a loop. Yeah. Yeah. And and frankly, it can contribute to some of the dumbing down of content. Mm-hmm. You know, when, when someone's only interested in the melodic value of something, and like you've been talking a lot, Thomas, about content. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we're content guys, and so naturally, you know, if you really go the way the, uh, at least the hip-hop scene is gone, um, 
more into like this mumble rap thing. I don't get that at all. <laughs> I don't. I don't understand because I'm like, what's what's the point? The the whole venue was set up kind of as a, a means for for these urban poets right. to get out there and have their voice, and it's like they're taking their own voice away mm-hmm. now because you can't understand what they're trying to say. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so open the book. So this is this Start is reading. The, this is the part where um, I've got to. I've got to parenthetically insert. Um, I'm I'm just gonna lay everything that just came to my heart out. So so essentially, yes, hip hop started off that way. Um, if you go back to the '70s in the Bronx to the block parties, you're gonna see a uh, like I would say '90s, if not high '80s percent African American and because of the demographic in New York, you're going to have some Latino. Mm-hmm. But this is a this started off as a black art. Yeah, this is black music, mm-hmm. and and I and I hate sometimes that I feel like I have to fight that fight that image of cultural appropriation sometimes. And a lot of my friends, man, they just play it off because you know, like if if one of my friends is a, is a black guy or a girl. They'll, they'll kind of play it off like, oh, don't worry too much about that, man. You're dope. And it's like, I really do want to have a reverence for that, though. Right. Because if the person I'm reaching, or no matter who it is, if, if they're of a you know, particular persuasion, I don't, I don't want to stifle the ability for that message that God's given me to get into their heart. Right? Yeah. And so <clears throat> that's the first thing I want to say, first and foremost, is that it does need to be acknowledged as a black art. Mm-hmm. Now, people will go back in history and say, oh, well, Johnny Cash sang one piece at a time, you know, before they were getting down in the Bronx. Uh, well, there's also black artists from the 30s mm-hmm. that had some really groovy stuff, man, where they were just kicking out rhymes. I mean, it's, you know, poetry is universal, too. Um, doesn't matter how you format it. But hip hop specifically, We've seen we've seen such a powerful shift in culture, internationally speaking, where in the '70s rock and roll was on top. Rock and roll was everything. Rock and roll was like the current problem that every parent had. Right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what yeah. I'm saying? But in, in in less than 50 years' time, we've seen a movement that started in the '70s in the Bronx become the mainstream in more than just this country. Not in every country mm. where there's like, you know, totalitarian this and yeah, um, yeah, communist yeah. that. And they, you know, they suppress culture. But but I, that, I just want to acknowledge that and say that that I know it to be, a, it originated with the black community. And it needs to be revered as such. Because a lot of people will make that mistake of stepping on it on the way to looking at modern issues. Right, with right. Mm. And they won't realize, well, <clears throat> there were people that didn't understand what was going on then, and there's people that don't understand what's going on now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You you touched on mumble rap. Well, like the untrained ear and and the and the one that doesn't have that taste of that culture, they won't know about the vernacular from Atlanta, and and how that style came about. And there's you know there is some negatives in that culture. You know, like a lot of rap music today is trap music, and they're talking about slang and dope. Mm-hmm. They're talking about killing. I mean, but at the end of the day, when it comes to content and delivery, you know, the mumble rap, you know, 
in, in this context. I want to respect it, but at the same time, I don't really enjoy it too much. But there's been times where even myself, you know, I might boast in the fact that I feel confident as a communicator, but for the sake of just the, the, the culture and the vibe of the beat that I might be trying to ride on, like I might, I might kind of switch into a little bit of that swag sometimes. Mm-hmm. You're still going to understand everything I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. You yeah, know, yeah. At the end of the day, but I just kind of wanted to slide in there and say, you know, I still want to respect the culture, right? Because there's always going to be something that, that someone doesn't know about mm. somebody's story, yeah, their their struggle, their culture, why they talk the way they talk, you know. Um, in, in some of those communities, especially in the South, where you get some of that mumble rap from, like you might have dudes coming out of environments where they may be illiterate. Yeah, that's and fair. So, and someone's not going to be sensitive to that. But, I mean... Not everybody's music is for everybody, mm-hmm. you know, at the end of the day. But I side with Thomas and yourself on the content issue. Yeah. You know, and um, kind of in closing on that topic, it's like, dude, at the end of the day, too, I can't be surprised when the world acts like the world. I can't be surprised when they're talking about those things. I can campaign against them. Right. And, and try to, you know, proselytize the gospel in my music and my personal life and in the culture that I find myself in the middle of. Mm-hmm. Right. But it's been, yeah. it's been a, a wild year. Oh, man. it's been a wild year. <laughs> and that's, uh, I don't know. So it's like with, with this, like, can you elaborate and like, I guess your, your opinion, why, why the, why the shift? You talked about the shift. We were on, we were on rock hair metal and then, and then like, we'll, we'll go like two uh, thousands. Right. The biggest music like Switchfoot was on Jimmy Kimmel or whatever. No, maybe it was David Letterman, but it's like that. I mean, they were openly Christian band. It's like really interesting. If you go back and look at yeah. all of these openly Christian bands, like DC talk was on, I think Letterman, um, Switchfoot's been on. I think red was on, you know, remember that stretch of time where everyone thought POD was Christian. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We were all deceived. Wasn't there, there was a, I think a, a rumor I heard that they were Rastafarian. Is that I accurate? See, or is I that can not see true? that. I don't know. I, I'm not sure. I'm not going to just pretend to know. I don't know. I'm yeah. just saying there was a lot going. But like, why the why the switch? Like, we went from from rock to like kind of an alternate. Well, yeah, like hair metal and rock to like an alternative rock to now. Now we're in hip hop and rap is like the popular. Why do you think that shift has happened? Hmm. That's a good question. Um, I can't say that I know definitively why. <laughs> you know, it's gonna. It's going to be subjective to whoever you ask. It's fair. Um, but if I had to guess why hip-hop took over, why there was the takeover. Mm-hmm. Um, Man, would, that voice. I know. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, you, you guys pray out there in, in listener world. Thomas is getting into voiceovers, I think. <laughs> and uh, we're going to help him out. But um, I don't know, man. I, it's like when you think about other genres of music, the common denominator between them and hip hop is that there's so much more being said. Mm. Think about it. Singing. It's just, the focus can be as equally on the tone of voice and the vibrato and the enunciation and the tone inflection and the dynamics and the control. But with hip hop, I don't have to worry about any of that. 
and I can say 15, 25, 50 times more than you did while you were singing. It's true. So yeah, it's true. There, there's a sha- there's a bit of shallowness with uh with a lot of just music, music. And I'm not saying that it's you know it's I think it's shallow, but but how many times do we need to know you walked up to a girl's window and threw a rock? I mean, like how many how many, band, how many bands have done that? Yeah. Like followed that shtick. And you to kind of I mean? to kind of piggyback right on that though, um, some of the things I was uh, premeditating on before I came out here. Um, you know, I was talking about my philosophy on music and what I think it is and how it's math and it's repetition and it's rhythm and it's melody and it touches the soul and it programs, right? All mm-hmm. that good stuff. Well, at the same time that we realize that rhythm is just repetition, you know, like there was, uh, there was a scientific study done where, you know, this guy was, uh, I think it was a YouTube video and this guy was talking to all these scientists across the world about the effects of music and he was saying that there's something about that repetition. And he said, if I just repeat a phrase, if I just repeat a phrase, if I just repeat, and he just kept repeating it, and you, your brain begins to systematically break down that duration of time. And it says, there's a melody in there. There's a percussion in there. You know, there's something about that rhythm. And it's like, at the end of the day, my heart's beating in a rhythm. I'm a habitual being. I'm, mm-hmm. a, I'm a creature of habit. It's it's what we eat, sleep, and breathe is rhythm. To everything, there's a time and a season, right? The sun's coming up and going down. But what's problematic, and this is where I wanted to get, what can be problematic with repetition is we become familiar with the things that are repetitive. Mm-hmm. Another word would be like desensitized. Mm. So how it's problematic is if the thing that we become familiar to is negative. Yeah. And if you become familiar to that negative, you're callous to it. Right. And I think that that's with, and I really don't, I don't like hating on hip hop at large because I feel like I do have some ownership in that community, a very small sliver. Um, But that is the problem is that we're literally forming ideologies in the minds of men, women, and children through these rap songs. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, and it's, I think it can be just as problematic as it can be a good, positive, powerful tool where you're planting the seed of of God's word and, and, uh, you know, but yeah, we tend to just ignore the things that are familiar to us. And I think that's why David stumbled upon that reality. Like I hide your word in my heart. Right. I meditate on it day and night see that repetition there's a there's a there's something that happens something poetic and yeah Yeah. it's beautiful man i mean god's word is poetic it's got a rhythm to it you know um there's seven days in a week i mean dude god's all about things repeating you know and um i'm just thankful to to be here to be able to talk about all this but at the end of the day it's it's all going to be pointless if I don't inject some love into it and say that I believe that Christian hip hop can still have just as powerful of an impact, despite how much darker things are getting in the music industry, mm. 
you know, we haven't even touched on other genres yet. Yeah. <laughs> we yeah, haven't yeah, yeah. touched on that singer and this singer and this Super Bowl performance and this right. and that. You know, yeah. there's a lot of weird stuff going on. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that, that was kind of like when when I was uh, in, in this metal band I was telling you about. That's That was like our approach is like we need to – there's a, like a, a very – large portion of metalcore, deathcore, black metal, whatever you want to call any of this stuff, that's just really depressing. It deals with suicide in a very unhealthy way. It deals with anger and hatred in a very unhealthy way. I know a little and, bit about that. Yeah. I know I know I know a little red baron. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I know some go. hardcore stuff. Yeah, I'm not totally ignorant to, no, this, to this no, situation. No, no, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but like we 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 came to the scene, um, and man, uh, they the world hated us first. Like there was a there were a lot of shows we went to. We went to the scene. We were like, hey, we're gonna we're gonna play melodic metalcore. So we're gonna give you the the crunch and the heavy breakdowns, but we're also gonna give you melodies and have something um, kind of like hopeful. Slipknot. Well, no, no, more, more, uh, if, well, if anybody's listening, they, they would know like, uh, August burns red, um, haste the day kind of stuff. Okay. But, but basically we were singing, we were trying to sing a lot more and then give hope where, where there is an area. There's, there's none. Were you doing shows locally yeah. with your band? Okay. So we, we would go to Jeffersonville, Indiana. Actually, uh, the guy who, who used to host us, his name was, um, Neil Travelstead. He just passed away recently. Yeah. Oh, Neil passed? Yeah, he passed away. No. And it was a huge bummer because he was like one of the most godly men. Like he, he opened this uh, facility called FFC. Yeah. Faith Family Church. I've, I've rapped over there, dude. That's awesome. In Indiana, yeah, that little building yeah, yeah, on yeah. the right, right in Jefferson. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They got the, they had the biggest speakers. Yeah, floor to ceiling out of any venue in Kentucky. <laughs> he he was Deal. so proud of those two. But he was uh, he was committed, man. He was very committed. Any bands would come in. Um, he told the bands behind the scenes, "Hey, man, we don't we don't do any cussing here. You know, we want to have fun and give you a place where you can do this and play your shows, but we're not doing any cussing. And if they cussed or sang a song that had any cussing, he would stop the show mid show and say it over his speaker to cut that out. You know, because he was he was a very legit dude. But he gave us that platform. Like, oh yeah. He, he was like, "Hey, I like what you guys are doing, and you can come play anytime you want." Um, but wait, we would run into the same issue. Like um, we would play a show and everybody knew what we were about and said, that's not what I'm about. And they would sit down and not listen, not pay attention. And then uh, they would, uh, they body slammed uh, my wife at the time was my girlfriend. They body slammed her in the mosh pit. Oh my um, goodness. Yeah. And they were, they were making fun of us and stuff while we were playing. And it was just like a very unforgiving territory at times, but then there's positives to it too. Right. right. So we, we got in this battle of the bands and won a slot at uh, Ichthus. I think I saw the flyer for that on Facebook. Oh yeah. 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 Cool. Yeah. Well, it was, uh, it battle was of the bands at faith family church. Yeah. Oh yeah. uh, no, no, no. This one was at, uh, uh, maybe it was called sanctuary at the time. The place called sanctuary. We did a battle of the bands. Pastor Robert Pittman. The bald guy. Mm, I'm losing it now. On, no. uh, Baxter. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Baxter. Yeah. It was yeah. Baxter. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so we did that and they're, then we, they're a great church. They're cool people. Yeah. So we, we ended up playing at, um, Ichthus one of the, or, or two years in a row. The, the second time I think we paid the first time we won like second stage or something like that. Second place or whatever. Um, but those people like they were coming up to crying to us. They were like, dude, you, you knocked it out of the park. We actually got a... Praise God. It was one of those uh, sc scouts from Victory Records came up to us, and we weren't in a position to, to, to do anything about it. We actually broke up shortly after, but we were signing T-shirts. Like, we were actually making an impact, and that's like that that's like the whole point. You what know was what I mean? the name of the band at the time? Uh, it was called My Heart May Fail. 
Is it? That's cool. Scriptural. <laughs> Scriptural. Yeah. Yeah. We, we were we were young and we we wanted to we wanted to make a hopeful impact on on the metal community. Um, I think it shaped us all. You know, like as adults, I could say it definitely shaped us in in who we are. Um, but that's like the whole point with with music, man. It's it's like how can we how can we go into like this hopeless environment? And like I'm I'm seeing things like, um, well, I, I'm not going to say the words, but WAP. Like we all know what WAP is. Yeah. Like I'm look look it up if you want, but don't go to Google Images first. You know, mm-hmm. just I don't know. Maybe ask a friend before you search for that. But like that was number one for a little while. Yeah. And and one of the one of the most disgusting, saddest things I've ever seen in my life. Uh, TikTok is a huge huge app it's huge i mean i actually i run a small tiktok i'm testing it out to see if we can get our podcast videos yeah. on there but um yeah i'm there's like a trend between 12 and 16 year old girls are doing these ridiculous heinous dances to this song which if you know the name of the song and what it means and it's like if i found if i i don't have kids yet but if i had a 12 year old like she, she i'd put her in a box and like and throw the key away and like hide her forever we'd never have internet we'd become amish like this is <laughs> this is so bad you know and it's like i i i can on the one hand can understand what you were saying like at the beginning of this like the there's there's some real culture here real things are being said about oh, yeah. real important matters but like we had the takeover and then it then it's like the the number one is we're, we're talking about you know, genitals and, and sex. And, and yep. I mean, I don't understand why we're glorifying it so much, but once again, you kind of hit on that and said, um, you know, the world is going to be the world. Yeah, absolutely. Oh man. I don't even know what to say. I mean, first of all, when it comes, when it comes to TikTok, <laughs> I don't, I don't have one of those yet. Oh, yeah. And, and you might, the, you might want to stay away. It's well, not a <laughs> at the rate that these apps are becoming, I don't, I don't know what the word is, dated, obsolete. Yeah. But essentially when something cooler comes out, right. mm-hmm. everyone transitions to that. And I mean, I'm st- I've, I've gotten rid of like my Instagram app on my phone and, yeah. and Twitter. I have Facebook right now. Um, so if you're listening to this and you haven't heard from me in a while, <laughs> I'm trying to, uh, trying to have covenant eyes. <laughs> uh, but it's hard out here when you got stuff like that on the top right, 10. Right. Yeah. Man, I don't even know what to say. I've got nothing good to say about yeah. it. But I I know that I'm not surprised. <clears throat> um Yeah, yeah, I'm going to talk about that. Okay. Do it. Yeah, so, do okay. it. Please yeah. do it. <laughs> so, I'm not I'm I used to be a pretty heavy conspiracy theorist. Yeah. And I hear that from time to time you guys have some interesting, you know, can, you know, theorists yeah. on yeah. the show. And, uh, you know, so if, if you don't mind, I'll indulge myself a little bit. Um, so when I look at music, I'm looking at, I'm looking at it through the, the all inclusive scope of my biblical worldview. Right. And it's like, <clears throat> when I think about that transition, Right from like rock and roll to rap there's there was a transition before rock mm. right there was like some blues mm-hmm. there was some classic rock going on um you know a little bit of this a little bit of that but we've noticed this trend of steadily and subtly losing our morality as as a as a country i don't want to jump into the genre of saying that America is a Christian country. Mm-hmm. 
because I mean, at you, this point, you can look at Berean statistics from 20 years ago and no, that's not true. Mm-hmm. Let's be honest. But I saw that there was this concept created uh, called ideological subversion. You guys ever heard of that before? I think I heard of it. I have no idea what it means. So enlighten me. I, I'm I'm sorry that we're going left field on a music podcast or a, hey. a podcast about music today, <laughs> but I, I believe it relates because it touches not just music but all of the arts and entertainment and the way that things have been affected and how they're used as tools to perpetuate, you know, everybody's agenda. Yeah. So in this thing called ideological subversion, right? There was these powers that be, I'll leave it up to the listeners at home to go, you know, research, but it's a four phase process. And I, and I'm, as far as I understand, it's, it's, I think it's based out of communist Russia at the time, um, somewhere around between the forties and fifties, maybe. And their idea was to conquer another country without firing a bullet or dropping a bomb. And it came in four steps and there again, you guys can verify this later on, but I think the first step was, uh, it was, uh, help me out, Jesus. It was, uh, demoralization. Think about that. Right. You want to take over a country or in this case, there's some wackos that want world domination. So they're, they're going to perpetuate the immoral thing. Right. If everybody loses their moral compass, then, you know, no one knows where true north we're, we're is. We're pushing a, the limit. It's a lot what easier okay to with. lead people wherever you want them to go if they don't know where true north is anymore. Bingo. So, right. yeah. So that, that leads into the second step where what Sam just said happens, everyone's lost, and you've got destabilization. Mm-hmm. I think that was the second phase. And that's, that's where they're saying, according to their philosophy, that this, this community, whether it be a country or whatever, it begins to destabilize. I mean, they went into detail about the family unit yep. disrupting that. Right. They went into details. I read these documents that were like declassified by the KGB. Yeah, you know? yeah. And I don't know if any of this crap is true. Right. But forgive me if it's not. But it makes sense to me. And then the third step after destabilization was, uh, and you're going to love this one, crisis mm. you ever heard the, the the phrase that a politician will never miss the opportunity to take advantage it's of a, a good, good crisis, crisis yeah mm. i mean come yeah. on guys yeah you know and here we, we hit crisis this we, year we, sure. we might be looking at yeah <laughs> a prime example of that this yeah. year yeah this year yeah. was all crisis and this is where the conspiracy theory stuff jumps yeah. in <laughs> as if we're not already there yeah. mm-hmm. <laughs> but we are you know, um, but, and then the fourth step is normalization. And that's where the agenda, the the rules, the laws, the government style, all the, the uh, rewriting the constitution, whatever you want to call it, the new normal. Start slowly injecting that stuff into your everyday life. Yeah. So that makes you, uh, makes you, yeah, normalize. Yeah. It makes you used to it. Desensitizes you. Exactly. Yeah. Back to desensitization. Desensitization. There, I got is it. it out. Yeah, <laughs> that is. I was actually going to try to say it like off the cuff, and, and I didn't. I failed. 
Well, if you talk about just generally, um, we don't think in terms of, generally speaking, we don't think in terms of philosophy, but everybody has one. Yeah. Right? Uh, we don't necessarily discuss or teach people how to articulate what that philosophy is, but we all have one, right? There, There sure. is a worldview that we all kind of glean towards whether we understand it or not. Now, what happens is um, that you've got levels of this this philosophy, and, and probably the highest level of it would be like um, when it's it's expressed in, in real time where you're living it out at the same time, right? That would be like if you had that around the family dinner table that you all were talking about things and you were actually seeing how like your worldview and your thought, it, it actually crossed with your family and you're, you're seeing how, uh, how to do life, right, in that sense. Uh, you're seeing your parents getting advisement from that and kind of following in, in that model, right? Um, but and, and then you've got this level, uh, 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 that would be the highest level, but a lot of us don't, I mean, how many of us sit around the dinner table and discuss philosophy? I do. And, you know, it, it comes in other forms, right? It's not like, okay, we're, we're going we're gonna to bow, pray, and eat, and then um, as we're eating, start, uh, what do you think of Aristotle? <laughs> you know, it's not, that's not how it plays itself out, but it's just the discussions around the dinner table and doing life with each other. That, that all that happens, right? It's organic. It's not necessarily like uh, something that you've contrived. It just happens when families have dinner together, right? Yeah. But that doesn't happen often, even in healthy families. Honestly, we don't get a lot of time to do that ourselves around the Conver house, right? Yeah. The, right below that, though, as, as a distinguishing factor of your worldview are the forms of media that you're taking in, the movies, the music, all that stuff is is drawing you towards a worldview, drawing you into a philosophy, right? And music's a very powerful one of those that you can, you know, a lot of people who listen to music listen to it all the time, mm. right? Kids went from um, having, like, back when I was little, the, the big old jam box up on the shoulder to, you know, you got your headphones. Boombox. Yeah, boombox on your shoulder. You got your head. I had, I had the Walkman. Yeah, the yeah. Walkman. With my Tupac CD in it. There, there you go. You go You go to Wait. the Walkman, and slowly these headphones got smaller and smaller, and now they're getting big again, right? Yeah. You, now yeah, yeah, the yeah. kids are wearing their headphones again. They're yeah. getting big again. Yeah. They're Bluetoothed. They don't have to worry about catching the cord necessarily Beats on anything. By Dre. Right? Yeah, but they're they they're, they're wearing these so kids that listen to music, they'll listen to it all the time. And that's not a bad thing, but th depending on what they're taking in, if they're taking in a certain worldview all the time and may not even know it. Yeah. Right? And may not even be aware of it. And that's like level 2. Right. And then level one philosophy is when we just take philosophy in like the school setting, the academic setting. We talk about it academically and that's where you honestly learn how to discuss these things, articulate these things. But there's that level one that's like, okay, we're going to actually talk about who Aristotle was or, you know, who uh, G.K. Chesterton was or, you know, you, you just name it. Level two they're hearing it all the time. Hey, did you hear that new CD by so-and-so, right? There's a philosophy there and a discussion in that song that said this, that. And then the highest level of that is when we live it out with each other, organically speaking. But we get less and less and less of that because our family times, even in a strong family, 
where, you know, mom and dad still love each other and are still together and we still kind of um, uh, get together to have these meals, they're, they're still kind of occupied by a television being on. And rather than facing each other, we tend to face another direction, all of us facing another Whichever direction. During, yeah, that. exactly, yeah. during our entertainment. And even when we share on that, right, even if it's like Thomas picked a show we all enjoy. We love the Goldbergs, right? Like just... Goldberg's is hilarious. It's on to repeat. Us. Yeah. So Goldberg's is on repeat at the Conver House. You know, it's one of those things that Thomas is like, there's a new Goldberg's, and we'll all get excited about it and watch it, right? We do that as a family. It's still not the same level of back in the day when the TV wasn't on and you're having these conversations and, you know, really, really. And that's a healthy family, right? I'd say our model is is pretty good by today's standards. In a lot of cases, it's a one-parent house, and they may be running out to work yeah. when it's time for the kid to be eating something. Right. Right? There is no level three philosophy at all in that house. No fault of the parent, necessarily. It just doesn't oh, happen. God. You know? <laughs> so it's level two that's dictating them. I, I had a conversation with a 10-year-old today at the hub that I work at, and I'm helping him kind of um, learn the process of adding and subtracting fractions. Mm. And it felt like um, if he had had the first lesson on this, it was a long time ago. He knew what a fraction was, but he didn't understand when you're adding and subtracting them, the denominator's got to be the same if you're really going to start moving numbers around. What? Yeah. Actually, yeah. I was about so, to say, yeah. you beat so, me to my own joke. I, I was like, I was like, okay, now first step is we have to make this bottom number match. We have to pick a number that will work for both of these other two numbers if we're going to add or subtract them, right? And I felt like I was kind of building it from the beginning. And at every step, I kind of had to hold his hand and be like, okay, what's the next? Okay, this is the next step. So we take this plus this. And, and in the end, he was doing the work, but I really did have to guide him a lot. So he was very, very um, uh, glad that I had had that level of patience. I don't think he's gotten that in a long time for someone to just sit there and kind of help him through mm -hmm. 12 math assignments, which took a long time and was a lot for a kid that age when he had no idea what he was looking at right but we did it so he felt that he could trust me and you know he was playing uh, uh some music stuff on on youtube i'm not hearing it because it's coming through his headphones but i'm seeing the video on there and i'm commenting now should you be listening to that that's bad music and he's like bad music now it's like i it was obvious his initial is like are you saying that like my taste in music is bad right and i was like no no that's not what i'm talking about i'm talking about that guy is waving a gun around <laughs> this little go. like pistol with this huge magazine on it. <laughs> the magazine was big enough that it was like uh, about as tall as he was, you know, sticking out the bottom of this gun. And you I'm might like, find That's, that you go down at a shelf like, a little bit. This <laughs> ten-year-old ten kid is seeing this and obviously enjoying whoever this artist was and is, is very uh, uh, susceptible to whatever message that's coming through there. And I'm like, wow. is that the best message? He's, he's just waving this, this gun around. So you're saying that, and, and you're talking about while you're seven? Yeah, yeah. This right. is like, we've gotten through this hard assignment. Okay, let's take a break. We're not going to jump right into the next one. He needs a mental break on this. And during that mental break which led into our lunchtime anyway, he started 
you know, listen to this music, which, you know, I could see the YouTube video on it. And he didn't mind sharing the fact that I'm sitting right there. And I'm like, that's a bad song. He's like, what do you mean bad song? And I'm explaining it's bad because I just saw this guy waving around a gun. I haven't heard any of what he's listening so to. I'm don't. commenting on what I'm seeing, the visual stimulus yeah. of it. I'm like, are you sure this is a good message for you to take in? And he's like, well, I can like the music and not run around carrying guns. And I'm like, and I'm sure, I, I sure hope you won't. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I, I just hope that, that that you hold on to that as the truth claim as you grow older. I didn't tell him that part, you know. You know. If I had a dollar for every single time <laughs> that somebody said, and I, I'm not talking like I'm questioning what everyone's listening to or anything like that, but it's like, you know, if someone finds out that I've done Christian rap, they were like, oh, really? That's cool, man. And they're really thinking, that's corny, dog. <laughs> it, but, yeah. but yeah, then, yeah, you don't know how, how that sounds because you don't really hear like, like you do. I mean, but they might be thinking like DC Talk yeah, because they so went many, alternative. There's mm. so many kinds now. But, but ultimately, like, we'll start talking about what they listen to. Uh-huh. And it's always the same phraseology every single time. Oh man, I just like the beat. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I've heard that a lot actually. I just like the beat. And it's like it really burdens my heart because going back to what I was saying earlier, right? It's like when when you're getting that message through repetition, mm-hmm. you're you're training yourself. You're teaching yourself whatever the content says involuntarily, right? Involuntarily. You're right. You're right. So it's like let's go a little deeper on that. I feel like that's going to be fruitful. So you have a soul, right? You're, you are a body, right? Embodied soul. But you're really a spirit. Right. Mm. You know, like I think it's 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 17. He says that uh, Paul's saying, your spirit, when you get saved, it becomes one with God's spirit. It's like the rebirth, I guess, if mm-hmm. you want to call it that. And we possess that soul. So our, what's our soul? Well, all the, all the Greek, Hebrew, and lexicon you can stand will show you stuff like heart, feelings, even the mind. Right. The, yeah. you know, the emotions. Right. Everything that you're keeping in your database of who you are, your worldview. That's what that is. And, and all of that. You're, you are a spirit possessing a soul and you live in a body. Right. And so it's like, here you are listening to this song, you, the spirit, right? Allowing your body, your ears, your eyes to see the video, your ears to hear it, maybe even your chest to feel the bass rattle, depending upon what kind of drop top Cadillac you're riding. System you've got booming. (laughs) Yeah. And you're letting that in and you're storing it. And the reason I say that is because it's the combination. It's the combination. Music is powerful, bro. I can't say it enough. You're storing it in your soul using the tool of repetition. That's the mother of all learning. I have to repeat things to memorize. Right. Mm -hmm. I'm a rapper. You know how many times I've repeated rap verses while I'm writing them? That's how I write. Right. I start back at the very first letter of the very first verse. Over and over and over again while I'm writing. That's that's how I would write songs. And then by the time I'm done writing it, I can almost 
I've almost memorized it enough to where I don't need to hold my phone in front of my face mm. while I'm recording. So just imagine a kid that's heard the same song about you were lame. You ain't never bang nothing. You ain't never shot nothing. You know, you ain't moving weight like I'm moving weight. And they're programming their mind with all this junk. And it is the culture. Trap music is the culture because mm. trap music was the music. I mean, there was always crack. Yeah. There was always heroin. There was always pills. These things were always there. But do you think that it would have been to the extent that it is now if rap music never existed? Let's, well, be, let's be fair. It's like, so with Sam's example, right? And I'm not saying this kid. I hope this kid's fine, you know. But, like, in, in general, how many kids have watched, you know, some of these videos or listened to the songs just every day, I guess, taking the pill, so to speak? Um, and, and, like... Like they don't have a father in the home. Like they don't have a good home home situation. So they listen to the music. They put the headphones in to block out all the the chaos, or the crisis yeah, that we're that, talking that about. That was me, right? I was a kid. Exactly. Yeah. And actually, I did the same thing too, man. I had this little radio, and I'd put a CD in, and I'd just play it as loud as I could to like drown out yelling and stuff. And it's just like how many kids are doing this um, when they're living in a really terrible environment, as it is in a bad area, a high crime area for that, and the people they idolize who are their role role models are saying this stuff is okay. Go after this stuff and you'll be like me. And then they see their parents, the mother or the father, if they see that at all. And that's horrible. It causes them emotional grief and emotional uh, turmoil. It it just pushes them in the direction. It's like, okay, well the guy that's making money that seems happy. I want, I want his life. And he tells me that I need to, to go after drugs. My car needs to look cool. You know, I need to get as many girls as I can because they're all, you know, female dogs. I'm not going to cuss on this podcast, but like, right. like tell that's, that's the, that's the role model. I feel like that's shaping our, our youth. And it's like, what do we, you know, we've been watching, as you said, it does, it's happened like uh cherry pie and, and, and all these other songs from like the seventies yeah. and eighties. They're not, they're not good either. It's like new, man. it's not new, yeah. but it's like, what are, what are, what can we do about it? You know? Wow, what a question! What yeah. what are you? That's actually we 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 had that same question on uh, the podcast with Kramer. We were talking about Facebook and how they use your personal information and your personal habits to shape and and sell products. Like, what do we do about this? Mm. It's the same. Like, it's it's a it's a question for the ages. But the same thing goes with the music, man. What are we going to do about this? Like, what can we do? You know? Wow, that. That question hurts because <laughs> not just because I yeah. don't have a good answer, but because I've lived the, 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 that hurt of that mm. question. You know, when, like when you're, when you're trying to plant the seed of the gospel, mm-hmm. right. In this younger generation and you're using rap and you're a really big country looking white guy. <laughs> I mean, Dude, the odds have been stacked against me <laughs> since I've been born. But but ultimately, like I've I've hit the brick walls. Mm. I've hit it. And I don't know. I've I feel like all of my closest homies and friends have always given me a cosign and, and been honest with me and said, Yeah, this is hot. I, I really believe God can use this. And I took it and I ran with it. But I, w- I would have to say that that more times than not, the stronger the stronghold that I went into, 
the tougher it was to break through, mm. you know, um, I could go, I could talk all day and night about times like out rapping and how the kids or blend of kids and adults, or maybe in some cases only adults, how these different crowds and stuff re- responded to the message and the music. But it really hurts, man, because, you know, like I've seen some of the kids that I've had dealings with in terms of like fandom mm-hmm. and them, them, you know, sharing your song on the internet or something like that. And then they go on and grow up and do stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you know, you know, it's not your job to save anybody. Yeah. And you know that you can't have that Messiah complex, but you want so much more for people and you just continue to see the culture eating away. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's, I don't know, man, the church is, the church has been robbed so much of, of not only the listeners of the music, but also the artists as well. It's yeah. a whole nother conversation yeah. right there. Artists that I've known personally that went from having a very explicit gospel centric message to, to something else entirely to, to what will sell. Yeah. I'm talking about all of a sudden you switched up and you cussing in your music. Mm hmm. All of a sudden, you switched up, and you ain't talking about God. You're talking about relevant issues in the culture, and and like you said, what sells. So, who's really the God? Right. Matthew six. You can't serve God and money, which we can all kind of attribute money as the tool that the enemy, the adversary, the devil, right, uses to to enforce his authority in the earth which according to scripture he has. Yeah. You know, Matthew four is a good example of that. You can't offer what you don't have. And he offered it to Jesus outside of the process of salvation. (laughs) And, um, he said no and went with the word. I don't have the answer of how to stop it or fix it or change it. And I would be interested to see what you guys think theologically about this issue where, I don't feel like I have an answer on how to fix it because it's not going to get fixed. So not, not the majority. Yeah. Not entirely. Right. But there will be a remnant, right? Right. That will preach the gospel until they go down. <laughs> I, I, yeah. Is that, is that too doomy gloomy? No. Well, what do you all think about that? No, yeah. I was going to say, uh, this is a common, um, Common question I've always had with people is kind of like, um, why is, you know, why is, if God's an all loving God, we, we've answered this question. Why is there pain and suffering? You know, um, why are we, why are we on a constant down spiral? And it's like my response most of the time when people are asking this, like, you know, biblically speaking, it doesn't end well for the Christians. I mean, it does. Don't right. get me wrong. I'm talking about our earthly life. It doesn't really, but physically, physically, it gets physically, a lot worse. In fact, fun stuff going on. It <laughs> says the final <laughs> days will be as Sodom and Gomorrah. You know, go 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 read that. That's that's some some gnarly stuff. As is what in it the is. Days of Noah. Yeah. So yeah. shall the coming of the Son of Man be. Yeah. So it's the wow. answer. The answer to this question is that we we can't do anything about the trajectory. We can't stop. I don't think the you know the radio stations. We can't take over the country and and Donald Trump's not our Jesus. You know, and he's not prophesied like this. No, isn't, he is not. It's <laughs> Biden. Biden won. You know, it's I I have yeah. a feeling that the the worst idea of what a christian thinks should be like the worst idea uh of a political figure in the christian verbiage or i guess a christian definition is just going to keep getting in place 
you know, the music is just going to keep getting worse. We're going to see 12 year olds. I mean, board borderline naked at this point. Cause they're basically already naked on TikTok. Gosh. You know, there there's, there, there's a lawsuit. I mean, like, you know, you know, TikTok was born out of vine, right? Really? Vine. Yeah. So basically uh, TikTok was the response, so to speak, because vine came out and what happened was there were, there were minors on there, like, doing sexually explicit acts on there. Twitter bought them and said, no, we're done with this and shut it down. Right. So TikTok shows up and depending on what you watch on there, there there's, I mean, like I said, it's, there's, you know, between 12 and 18 year olds just shaking whatever they've got. And it's like, um, well, they, they didn't learn this from the Bible. <laughs> you know what I mean? So that's the thing. It's like learn that one at church. No, no, they did. Well, I guess not, we hope. not our, uh, not our denomination. Not, they didn't learn that in the church while there was an adult in the room. Well, the last time somebody read Galatians five and saw the manifestations of the flesh in the Bible and then learned how to sin all of a sudden was never. So. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But that's, so that's my point. I think, um, I think the answer of, what are we going to do about the culture? What are we going to do about the music? The answer is we can't do anything about it. But what we should be doing is is the real question. Um, yeah, help me out there. Every second that we spend on this earth is a second we could be doing something, right? And I think about how many times, and uh, in, in me on my on my own TikTok adventures, and I sit there and watching uh, musicians make music, or I'm I'm watching karate because I look up. or cooking videos. He yeah, likes cooking. I do videos. cooking a lot as well. Right? How how many hours have I spent? I was so I I so as a, a kind of an experiment. Right? I play I play VR games sometimes. I have a VR headset at home. Okay. And so I was like, That's I was pretty cool. I know it's pretty it's, <laughs> you, seeing somebody with it on and not hearing or seeing any video. You're just like watching them feel around the room. Yeah. It's pretty hilarious. But, What's going on? But, <laughs> but basically I was like, I'm going to try this. Okay. So I was on TikTok, and uh, I love video games and I love movies. And this game comes up and some, some kids got three videos and they're VR games and he's just playing them and he's just showing the video footage of him playing and he's talking over it 300,000 some odd views. That's amazing. I'm like that's ridiculous. Wow. So, I went I went I talked to my wife. I was like, "Hey, I'm going to I'm going to try this for like a week. I'm going to make memes out of the video game and I'm going to and that's the thing. It doesn't take a lot of time. You, you can record your video and, and capture it and then put it in to TikTok and whatever. It takes me about 15 minutes to make a video. Um, I'll make the video and then I'll try to think of something clever and put it on there. So as of right now, and this has been like a month and a half, I have 3,700 followers. I've got four videos that are above 300,000 views. Most of my videos are between two and 5,000. And there's about six that are above 10,000. That is okay. crazy. Now I went to the analytics. Here's the worst part about it. I went to the analytics and on, on the bigger videos to see how much time was watched on my video. One of the most, uh, and this isn't even the highest. This is like the third highest 942 hours were spent watching my stupid video of some guy with a club in a coliseum smack another guy with a club. Yeah, you have to kind of see the game too. He's it's not, just goofy. he's not, they're not watching him play like, I don't know, Batman Arkham no, Knight or something cool like it's, that. It's, it's a like silly POV. Thing. It's just for the POV view, yeah. the, right from, from the get go. And so, um, wow. I, I sat there and so that's the thing is like, uh, what do we do about it, right? What do we do about this music problem? What do we do about our, our youth and our, our families and friends? Well, um, 900 collective hours were spent watching my stupid video. <laughs> okay, what, what can you do with 900 hours? I'm, I'm doing the yeah. mind There's 80 emoji. hours yeah. in a work week. My or no, there's 80 hours in a pay period. Bro. Yeah. 
right? 900 hours. If we could all group together and dedicate 900 hours to anything, we'd, we'd solve world hunger. <laughs> we'd, we'd feed the homeless. There wouldn't be homeless. You know what I mean? So, yeah, but there would be no progress made on these VR video games. Yeah. <laughs> You're doing God's work, Thomas. It's, it's, uh, I, I think it all stems from a self-centered uh, mindset of comfortability. I don't think anybody's uh, outright setting out like, I'm going to be lazy today because I deserve to, be do, to do nothing with my life. I don't think it's like that. I think that content is just so readily available in our, the palm of our hands that it's easy to get sucked in and be like, I enjoyed that and swipe up. I enjoy that too and swipe up and I enjoyed that as well and swipe up and just keep doing it. Re repetition, right? We're talking yeah. about rhythm. There's a rhythm to everything. Mm. Um, so what, what it is, is I think as Christians, when we do have children or when we're working in the church and let's say we don't have kids and there's kids in the, in the youth group, we should, we should be the examples to explain to them why this stuff is, uh, is wrong. We should be the examples to say, Hey, why don't we go out as a group or why don't we go out like for me and, and you music specifically, right? I've gone to, I've gone and I'm not, tooting my own horn because I haven't done it in a while, but I went to prisons and played worship music for, for the residents there. Yep. Residents uh, encounter Christ. Exactly. Apollo. Yeah. RECs. And that's, uh, love those guys, man. I, I did that a few times and it's like, I, I could have been watching TikTok. <laughs> I could have been watching old vine, the compilations on YouTube. I, I could have been doing any number of those things, but I was, I was doing something that I think that God was like, Hey, I need you to be here because somebody needs you. Somebody needs me through you. Amen. And I think that's I think that's the answer. Man, I'm feeling convicted right now just thinking about it. It's a, and it's interesting yeah. because I've been in a meditative place about music and um transparency moment. Um, you know, I was like I was telling you guys before we got started that I've kind of been in a hiatus. Um, not saying I'm quitting music, but man, it's been a long time coming. And I've had a rough road in my personal life. Mm. You guys know a little bit about all that. And I don't know if I've been discouraged or not, but when I hear you say things like that, like Jesus needs me to, to go and, and, and visit this person, like you said in Matthew 25, you know, when I was in prison, he visited yeah. me. Mm. And when did we do that, Lord? When you did it. Somebody else. To them, you did yeah. it to the least of these. You did it to me, <clears throat> you know, and. That's, I feel like that's a little bit convicting, like, because maybe it extends to a lot of the different things that people do, but me personally, man, I, I've been in a season where I, I'm searching the scripture and I'm searching, you know, for the face of God, like, so persistently, like, what do you want me to keep doing music? Do you really want me to do it? What was I doing while I was making music? Was I building my own kingdom in the deepest recesses and compartments of my heart? Was I hiding the treasures of this world like, like Jesus said not to do in Matthew 6? Was I hiding those in my heart instead of laying treasures up in heaven? You know, um, But yeah, that's, that's convicting, man. I, I really, I, it makes me remember all the times like when we went out to Clark County or to Luther Luckett and rapped. And the guys love it, man, you know, or all the times that we have had a positive impact at a church or an outreach with the, with the hip hop. But at the end of the day, you know, I don't know, maybe I could ask the, ask the viewers at home to send one up to the big guy for me. 
mm-hmm. you know, because Always. I'm not really sure where I want to go, what my next step's going to be in life with music. Um, but I know that whew, one thing you can talk about with music and the mainstream and pop culture, and especially in hip hop, is the expiration date that a person has. Yeah. Um, I think the average um, age for a hip hop, a breakout hip hop artist, which probably varies from year to year, but I think it range, it has ranged somewhere between 17 and 19 for a long time. And, and I'm 36. Yeah. Yeah. None, none of us are 17 or 19 <laughs> right. in, yeah. in this room. Right. No. So That's it's so like, sad. I mean, so I there's didn't... a realism behind that yeah. where yeah. in wisdom, and, and not being deluded and self-deceiving, but being honest with myself. Like, I know that my message is always going to be relevant because it's not mine. It's God's message, you know. Um, but at the end of the day, no matter how hard I try, I'm going to have more of a gap in my cultural relevance than the next guy that might be in his early 20s, mm. right, that can appeal to some of these kids that, that I seemingly have lost touch with, mm. you know. And it's like, I'm content and I really believe that Jesus is enough for me because, <clears throat> and, I, and I'm glad I thought about this, but a, I think a really big topic in hip hop today needs to be that every single one of these kids thinks that they should be a rapper. Well, yeah, that's true. Mm. And I think that's problematic. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. So much. So much so. Based on the role models alone. Oh, my goodness. Bro. I mean. <laughs> like, in, I know, like, in the black community, um, there was a trend more so in the 80s, 90s, where it was, it was, it was hoop dreams and rap dreams. If you mm-hmm. wanted to make it yeah. out the hood, you was either going to be. Play basketball it was or. A, it was one of three things. He was going to sell dope, be a, be a hooper, or be a rapper. Uh, one of those is just going to get you killed. Exactly. Mm. And so nowadays it's like there's so much of an image projection syndrome and a facade and, and just, you know, the worship, if you will, of that image of success and power and respect, even at a sinful level, that they're not focused on having an authentic lifestyle of crime while rapping about it. They're not focused on actually doing the things they're talking about doing. They're repeating the model that they've had in front of them for years, that mm-hmm. repetition there again. And so now we have a whole generation of kids, like Thomas said earlier, that see that and they want to be that. So now we have a whole nother problem mm-hmm. right? where it's like, not only do I look up to the guy, but I'm, physically in a pursuit to become that guy. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah, the uh one of the points that Kramer had brought up in our, you know, discussion on um conspiracy theories and stuff like that. It, one of his concerns was how fast bad information could spread through these social media things, but that it was leading to actual physical action. But this has been going on, not necessarily through social media, but in in the same vein with this uh, music for a long time, because they see these these things modeled, even if the the model isn't true, 
right? Even if um, the particular artist that they're listening to hasn't actually committed the crimes that they're talking about, they've still been listening to it and they don't know the difference. So they just assume it is true. Mm. And if they want to be like that, then they have to act that way. Or, or and that, at the that's least be calling, okay with it. Yeah, it's, it's a call to action, though. That's the danger. So the same point that Kramer was talking about now starting to see in some of these conspiracy theories uh, a call to action that's been happening in our world of music oh yeah for a long time uh, one of the the other hubs that I worked at there was a young lady there who um, uh, at the seven counties who was one of the counselors there and who would come in and out of the room you know periodically through the day also working with the kids close contact same way I was helping them with their schoolwork and talking to their teachers and that sort of thing. And she had said that she'd seen again, someone that was a contemporary of hers that everybody, because of social media, everybody she knew knew of this person. She didn't know if she did or not because she's like, I went to an all girls school. So these are all friends of mine who seem to know this person but it's a it's happened again. It's like just within the course of that week, it happened so much. She, she felt compelled to just tell me, who's essentially a random stranger to her, that yet another young black man had been killed because of gun violence. She didn't know if she knew him, but everybody she does know knew him, and they all were were broken up and kind of putting out their their grief on Facebook in a place that she's seeing it. She just happened to comment on it. Right. And, and yeah, I see this, it's, uh, this culture of death that has started with a lie, right? And this, the initial deception that you, you keyed into and you talk about your four pat, your four way path to taking over a culture started with that initial deception, right? And they're buying into that deception and now just kind of accepting that as the new norm. This new norm we've arrived in where, you know, some poor teenager again lost to gun violence. And, you know, I don't I don't really think that the process is new. Yeah. I, I just feel like it's 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 it is it climaxing. Is it hitting a pinnacle? I don't know. Is it maximized full capacity, bad, evil darkness? I don't know. But it it's like, you know, and, and earlier I was touching on you know, rap being a black art from the black community. Well, these issues aren't black issues. I mean, kids were dressing up like Kiss mm-hmm. and, yeah. And, and, yeah. And, and, you know, doing satanic rituals after, right. in the 70s and 80s after rock and roll shows. When I was in Seattle, kids were cutting themselves and yeah. shooting their brains mm-hmm. out after Nirvana happened and the grunge scene showed up. I mean, the process is the same when it comes to how music can impact a generation. But ultimately, it's worse than it's ever been. It's it's inflated. It's saturated. It's like, and I think, I think this kind of ties into your point about what do we do about it, dude. They didn't allow this kind of vulgarity in the content on the radio and on the television and in movies. Once upon a time. Once upon a time. Yeah. Yeah, but the hourglass is ticking. Yes, sir. (laughs) And that's that's depressing. Yeah, so you see that the last bastion of holding this darkness back, right, no matter what kind of music or movie or play or books, doesn't matter what it was, like 
people have celebrated freedom of speech to the point where we're 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 throwing out the morality baby with the free speech right. bathwater. Right. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And it's like I don't really know how to feel about that, but I can see how bad things are getting because of it. Yeah, one of our very early podcasts we talked about, you know, as far as the film went, that I would think, hey, here's a great movie I remember growing up watching, right? This is just, it's hilarious, and oh yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure it'll be fine. Because I remember having seen it on television, and then you're watching the actual film. I didn't see the actual film. I didn't see it in the movie theater, right? I didn't, I probably didn't rent it. I was watching it as it as it was played on. T- and I'm like, I had no idea they said that, you mm-hmm. know, in the movie. I'm like, I don't remember all this language being there, all that stuff. That's you a know? cuss word. Yeah, exactly. That's <laughs> what's a, going on here. There's another one, you know. And and yeah, you're right. There there was there was at least some where uh, where we looked at there was a, a united front on certain things that we just weren't going to let run rampant in the culture. Say, hey, let's have a united front that we're not going to glorify certain things and we're not going to allow certain kind of language to just become commonplace. And in the sense of not censoring it, yeah, if you went and bought the the uh, movie, you bought the VHS or you bought the DVD or you whatever. Had a, you had an ID. Yeah, and you prove. had an ID Yeah, that <laughs> yeah. you could go to see and, that movie. And I still get that request from like, there's, you know, some... So any kind of age cashier, it doesn't matter. They'll see big old me coming in there looking all scruffy, old and fat. And they're like, this is a Jet Li movie. You got ID for that, Buster? <laughs> Jet Li movie. To buy a kung fu movie. Or, or like some of us, we, we didn't have a, you know. Maybe it's just another thing you're appropriating. Yeah. <laughs> you want yeah, to talk about, about appropriating that. stuff. Yeah. Chris, I don't know who I am. Chris, Chris loves those kung fu movies, and I'm freaking teaching people kung fu, so. Right on, man. <laughs> Praise God. Look, I think, uh, I, I think in closing... I think the point here, we, we've got to be better role models. We've got to do better than the culture. We've got to be apart from the world. Um, when, when God's given us a calling specifically, um, we, we have to answer it. You know what I mean? We've, uh, I'll sit there and keep on doing Oh, you're right. <laughs> Had a little cough. No, that's okay. Sam, Sam does that often sometimes. Uh, so often sometimes is actually not a, a valid thing to say. <laughs> it is, but he does it often. Thomas enough. talks good. <laughs> Some, sometimes I'll try to mute him on here and then he'll cough and then I'll mute him. And then and it's just as I'm coming back. <laughs> yeah. So the cough's in there and then the next words aren't. That's awesome. Um, but yeah, so that's cause we go live baby. That's, that's right. right. <laughs> yeah. I, th- I think us as, as godly men, when we're given something like when, when we get that, confirmation like this is what your life is this is what what i've called you to do this is what you should be doing um i'm not talking about to an unhealthy level of like i'm alive and awake now i gotta go be knocking on doors and stuff like we could we can tone it down a little bit you can have like a life but yeah wisdom when when it's like you know you have nothing going on over the weekend and you had the option to to lead some youth in worship or you had the option to to play a show you know what i mean did you take it like you had the option to go hang out with uh, with a group of people that you may not uh, agree with their denomination of church, but you went anyways. Yeah, yeah, you know. So th- things like that, I, I think, are are. Um, and I'm just thinking now to to your question earlier about what do we do about it. 
like I, I don't really belong to a church right now, but I've been fellowshipping in like a home style church with some friends of mine for a few years now. And my buddy Zell, you know, he started doing YouTube videos. Wild story. This guy, I forgot what the video was about, but this 16-year-old girl reached out to him on the comments, and she got saved. She she believed unto Jesus Christ, confessed with her mouth, mm -hmm. confessed her sins, and was born again. From because YouTube. Of, from a YouTube from, video? From a YouTube video. Oh, that's great. And then her and her mother and the girl's little brother got on the phone with our our Bible study fellowship. And we, we've had an opportunity to like, like my buddy Zell kind of heads it up in terms of all that. Um, he's kind of like the pastor, you know, mm -hmm. if you will. But, but man, that, that really kind of blew me away. Like there, God can use it. And I yeah. do see that. Yeah. And I would have to confess in my weakness that maybe I'm not really seeing that. And maybe there is something that we can do about it. Yeah. Yeah. And I know, um, the, the venues that you're in, I, I just think in terms of the relational contact there is more powerful, believe it or not, than even the repetition of the lie, I think. Amen. Because that that level, that level of uh, philosophy, like we were talking about, that around the, the dinner table, um, family discussion times carry more weight in the end. So so if you if you build those relationships and it doesn't correspond with the repetition of the lie that they're listening to necessarily in the music, which, which path ultimately will they choose to follow? The repetition in the music will always be there, but it is a stronger testament and witness to have a relationship with, I guess in this case, because it's been so pressing to the example, say a young man who would listen to, you know, hip hop or rap or, you know, be interested in that. The young man who's watching these videos with, you know, a guy toting around a nine millimeter pistol with a magazine as big as he is, you know, the, <laughs> it's almost comical. But at the same time, he shows me that. Because I sat there for two hours yeah, come on. and helped him go through um, this particular homework that he didn't know what he was doing. There was a, there was a trust built there right away. There's more uh, uh, potential there for influence just by making those relational just contacts. by showing up. Yeah. Show up, make those relational contacts and, and, uh, that that witness in the end, I think it's it's a hard thing to speak louder than the lie when it's so prevalent and pressing. But but it's also a powerful thing to be a life that you know, you know, know an interaction that someone just never forgets. I'm sorry for interrupting. No, go ahead. But I'm seeing so much there because it kind of lends to the conversation earlier about <clears throat> you know, can you do something about it? And then earlier you know, I was talking about everybody wants to be a rapper nowadays. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Everybody wants to be a rapper. And it's like that kind of happens in the church too. And it's not just rap. It's not any kind of music. It's just the culture in general. Like everybody wants to be a celebrity. And what you're talking about is what I'm almost 20 years later finding out is the most effective thing. It's when we, 
it's it, it, there's a quote uh, self denial is entry level Christianity, hmm. and that celebrity personality dysfunction that Americans have today, especially the youth. That's one of the things that we got to crucify when we deny ourselves and pick up our cross because, and I I can kind of see that gospel process because it's like, I give up my desire to build my own kingdom. And then all of a sudden as a byproduct, I'm serving this kid over here for hours and God's able to open a door through that servanthood and through that humility, right? Instead of me trying to be a star. And I'm not saying that, you know, Everybody that's trying to do any kind of any media is trying to be a star. But I, I do firmly believe that that I've discerned a couple people throughout the years that they weren't doing it for the kingdom of God at all. Right. Mm. You know, and just kind of going through the motions. Yeah. And trying trying to, quote unquote, make it, mm-hmm. quote unquote, you know, uh, break out, whatever you want to call it. There's a buddy of mine who I I visited over the weekend. He he told me uh, God kind of laid a a phrase on his heart, but it's like the most profound thing. There's a lot of good people in church that are going to hell. It's super dark and it sucks, but it's true. Ooh, yeah. (laughs) You know, actually, I I think I might write a song about it at some point. But (laughs) (laughs) wrote a song about it. Like to hear it. Here it go. No, <laughs> I can't do it. No, no, not off the cuff. Maybe a little Norwegian hate metal. Yeah. On the format. Hey, we'll go back to my roots. You're going to hell. <laughs> Bring in that double bass. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. All right, well. Uh, this good. has been fun, guys, because yeah. I, I feel like I, I got to just sit back and kind of watch the two of you in your creative processes. Kind of, go, Thomas and Chris. Yeah, yeah, yes. Thomas and Chris kind of uh, kind of uh, uh, enlightening Sam here in that process. Um, and, and it's just, it's kind of foreign and at the same time just really cool to see that oh you you got it there somewhere i know you were a theater a theater kid yeah Ooh, yeah, yeah that that sam's got a background I, i've got it's, a it's performance there. background there but uh but i never never written like a musical anything oh it's in there somewhere we're gonna make the silent planet podcast musical musical the musical (laughs) starring starring written by directed by produced by sam conver and then and then i'll step into the celebrity culture that's right oh my god Uh, well uh, chris thank you so much for joining us yeah yeah this is a blast you guys want me to spit something on the way yeah please do I, i got a little verse for you um this is from a song that was never released and it's just it's newer you know it's about to, and, and it's about to release really, now. It's just all about this season where I said I've kind of had like a Jesus revolution and he's made everything so much more solid and gospel centric. So check this out. This is kind of a, this is kind of like a, just looking at the scripture from a season of my life. <clears throat> so check this out. One day you're going to have to pay. Today everything can change. On the third, rocks roll away. So tell me why you in the tomb. Boy, the sun's out today. Man, I've been in the lion's den, and I still see a scar every now and then. Where am I at? <laughs> but the ruler of the tribe of Judah, he a shooter. You'd have thought he flying when he riding in. Whew. 
I pledge allegiance to the highest throne, highest known. That's 121 in Ephesians. If I, if I had known, I'd have been reading, but I was shown I've been scheming since Eden. By the spirit, it's him feeding this heathen for this reason, Chris breathing in freedom. Chapter 2, verse 10, this is his dream and his team, and you don't want to make it you versus him. So whether you were Christian or not, I'm trying to plant seeds whether you're going to listen or not. It doesn't matter if the people think I'm gifted or hot. I'm praying that the Holy Spirit will talk. Now meditate. Listen. There was a reason for breathing before the Garden of Eden, before the heavens and earth, or the times and seasons, or that highest treason between even the demon. Before the light was spoken, there was a secret for keeping from ages and generations. This mystery leaking from prophets prophesying a Messiah coming to lead him. But what if he already came and nobody's seen him? What if he's speaking right now in a manner of speaking? His name is Jesus Christ, God the Son. Who created all things. Colossians 1. He existed before existence and nothing exists that isn't his. For through him all things consist. And he chose us in him before the earth was made. That we should be holy and without blame or stain spots and blemish. He'll carry you to the finish. And the only thing the father will see is the son's image. Selah. I think that uh, definitely earns a little bit of applause. (laughs) Hey, that was, that was crazy that was cool. Man. That was great. Yeah, thanks for letting me share that. Yeah, that was you, awesome. Uh, the content that, in that too is just simply packed. Yeah, packed. Like you said, what you can say in just the few bars. Yeah, as opposed to the medium of rock, and there's a lot of gospel right there. That's. It seems to me that um, just what will what will music sound like. In the kingdom of heaven. Well, you know, he was trying to get people saved. He was trying to get them to realize, like, I do, I do want a rock. When he said, I want a rock. <laughs> but he was talking right. about the Lord Jesus He's Christ. <laughs> Just jokes, people. Yeah, 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 that's excellent. Well, uh, if you all have enjoyed this podcast, um, share it with your friends and family, the, those of them that actually listen to podcasts. We're available on Apple, um, Spotify, and a whole yeah. slew of other ones I'm Our just not going to mention right now. We're on, yeah, we're on Facebook. Like and uh, share us there. And uh, as always, I'm Sam. You are? No, no. <laughs> it's a first. It's a, it was. <laughs> That was awesome. It was bound to happen at some point. That's Chris. So yeah, you, you, well, I'm going to include Chris on this. Go ahead. So, I'm, I'm Chris. I'm Thomas. <laughs> and I'm Sam. And this has been the Silent Planet Podcast. That's right. <laughs> we'll, t- we'll catch you guys next week. <laughs>